thank you for the introduction. And I have to start with a couple of personal notes. Certainly, uh, it's not very often that a preacher gets uh, lifted up by uh, his son and his granddaughter in song right before he comes on. And I have a daughter who's coming on a little later with her song, but uh, certainly gifts that have enriched Joyce and myself and Cross Church and now uh, Zion Lutheran Church in Chicago. And I have to begin with another personal note. I am truly grateful that I was able to greet and hug Dee McCullough, the director. Some of you know that she had very serious surgery a few weeks ago. And uh, still, I understand, is on the mend, but is on the mend and is here today. And for that, we thank God. <laughs> and it's certainly an honor to be invited to speak on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, and I know that part of the reason for inviting me is because I did have the privilege of walking and working with Dr. King a few years ago. <laughs> but I have to begin by saying that I would have no business standing here and talking about Dr. King and his work if I were not engaged at this very moment in the justice work that he was a part of and that I was working with him and, and thousands of others to bring about that journey, that struggle, that, uh, that challenge that we have as God's people is still with us. And thanks be to God, uh, Dr. King convinced me along with a lot of other pastors, black and white, back in the 60s, that the church had better be interested in more than stained glass windows and growing mega churches, we had better be concerned about the community and what's happening in the community. Otherwise, we do not deserve the pulpit. And so that is what has led me into justice work, not in spite of my faith, not in spite of my calling as a clergy person, but because of my faith, because as a pastor, I had better be walking with the people as in fact Jesus did and King did. Now I recognize that the theme for this occasion is the song that our sister Tathena, and I praise God I had a chance to walk with her and I believe baptized her and uh, it's uh, what a beautiful gift you had Tathena. Keep it sharp and keep sharing it. But uh, that theme, take me to the king. Uh, now I real, I know that uh, Steve McCollum knows that that king that's referred to in that song, of course, is the king. Uh, but it's not a bad uh, way of, of capturing what I think we ought to be doing on a Martin Luther King day. 
And that is, take me to the heart of Dr. King. Take me to the theology of Dr. King. Take me to what it was that made him tick and that kept him not only in the movement, but kept him growing in the movement year by year and never backing off, even to the point of his last trip to Memphis. If you've read the story, you know that his plane from Atlanta to Memphis had to be vacated while they checked it for a bomb because of a bomb threat. That was what Dr. King lived under day after day after day, and he refused to give up, and therefore we had better not give up. At any rate, uh, what if we are taken to the king today, we probably would like to have him give us some thoughts on where in the world are we in the year 2020 in the pursuit of justice. And I'm sure he would have a lot to say to us about a lot of things. Uh, he would, I am sure, be one of the first to say that the drone warfare that we are carrying out, zapping from Colorado children and women in Yemen with these uh, amazing bombs that can take people out at thousands of miles distance and people just push buttons and there it goes, 140 people and maybe we got the target, maybe we didn't. I am sure Dr. King would say drone warfare is a demonic way for this culture and this country to live out the militarism that we have sucked in and have walked by as a nation to this very day. How do we settle our problems in the world? We just use the military way of doing it. Well, I'm sure he would go on to say that uh, there are a few other things happening that are positive, like the Black Lives Matter movement. You would say, right on, young people, keep up the good work. I am sure that he would say that $15 in a union is wonderful in terms of pushing this nation to some economic equality and giving families a leg up. And we could go on with all of the many issues that are a part of our day and our time. But I think also, as we are taken to the king, I think he would also say, learn a few lessons that we learned on our journey. And so let me just take three of the really important moments in the, the movement in the 60s. Uh, places where things happened that actually resulted in laws in D.C. being passed that impacted people's lives, lifted people from some degree of poverty, and a great deal of indignity that the Jim Crow way of living in the South 
was forcing on millions of people. And so we start with the spark of the civil rights movement, Montgomery, the bus boycott. What a powerful movement that was. And many things to be learned. But I believe that one of the lessons that Dr. King would say to us is that the Montgomery bus boycott reminds us that if we want to bring about change for the good, then we need to have deep commitment and we need to have the community come together in deep unity. What an example of commitment and unity in the Montgomery bus boycott. 95% of the black community said, we're going to be a part of this. And either they walked to school or to work, or they offered rides, or they, they made it clear that we're part of this movement. And that was amazing to the, the whole world how long did that boycott last? Well, the bus folks said, eh, maybe it'll last a few days. It lasted for an entire year. Now that is commitment, and that is unity coming together and saying, we are going to do it. Yes. I think that's what we have learned among many things from Montgomery, and the result was, there was a, uh, an elderly African-American man crowded into the courthouse on that awesome day when the, the decision came down from the U.S. Supreme Court that said that racial separation on the buses is unconstitutional. And there was a voice from this uh, elder from the African-American community in the balcony saying, God has spoken. And that's exactly what happened as a result of commitment and unity. Wow, what a story from Montgomery. And then there is Birmingham, Alabama. And that's where I come into the story. Montgomery bus boycott, 1955-56. Birmingham demonstrations, 1963. I've often said that I was in the right place at the right time. I, I could not have asked for a better calling straight out of the seminary. I've often wondered what would have happened if I had had my first call to Bismarck <laughs> besides being frozen, I would have probably been frozen spiritually, but being having a call to a black congregation living in the black community in Birmingham, Alabama, in the Jim Crow days, gave me a perspective and a theology that has never left me. And if you want to know what is the spark that keeps burning in me for doing justice, that's the spark that started in Birmingham. 
in the 60s. And the movement and the demonstrations in 63, Dr. King would, I'm sure, give us many lessons from that one. But the lesson that is especially clear is the power of youth. If you know the story of the demonstrations in Birmingham, they were about to fizzle after five or six weeks of demonstrations because there simply were no more people who would, could possibly risk their jobs and march and go to jail until the children, the youth of Birmingham, after going to many workshops on nonviolence and signing a commitment to nonviolence, began to march. The first day, 750. The second day, 800. The third day, 850. The fourth day, you get the picture. This was an amazing, powerful, powerful movement, and the youth saved the, the movement in Birmingham because the white power structure after that fifth day said, oh, wait a minute, maybe we better come to the table and negotiate something here. They came to the table, negotiated the goals that we were asking for. Side note, footnote, they reneged on the promises. Uh, surprise, surprise. But the truth is that they did agree it was on paper. And then the pushback, and that's a lesson from the 60s, every victory, every success in the movement always has some element of pushback. And so you know the pushback on September 15, 1963, the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church and the killing of the four beautiful girls, Denise McNair, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, Addie Mae Collins. I remember them by name every morning as I begin my day. And the nation's conscience was pricked deeply to the point that the Congress in 1964 passed the Civil Rights Law of 64 that strangely and amazingly gave rights to all races and both genders. That one squeaked in and was a very interesting piece. But, I think you know the story, that things didn't change on the ground level after the 64 Civil Rights Law was passed. And the reason, of course, was because the power structures that remained were white mayors, white judges, white DAs, white law enforcement officers, and so Guess what? They didn't change. They didn't go by the 1964 Civil Rights Law. And that's when Dr. King's staff came up with the determination. They said, we cannot let these four girls die 
and gives no response. Call nobody to accountability. This can't happen. And even though most people, black and white, knew who set the bombs on that Sunday morning, those Ku Klux Klansmen figured that they would not be arrested, and if they were arrested, they would not be jailed, and if they were jailed, they would not be tried, and if they were tried, they would not be convicted, and if they were convicted, they wouldn't serve any time in jail, and that's what happened, until Dr. King's staff said, we have got to change that. And that's where the germ of the idea of the voting rights movement in Selma came. And they said, we have got to change those positions of power. And the only way we're going to do it is to get the vote. And so the campaign, voting campaign began. And what did we learn from that? Cool. Many things to be sure. But what's amazing about that campaign is that people put their lives and their jobs on the line for it, not knowing whether Congress would pass any kind of a voting, voting rights law, and had no idea whether it would be a strong voting rights law, had no idea whether it would really result in changes for people on the grassroots level, and yet, on March 7th, 1965, 500 men, women, and children marched across Edmund Pettus Bridge and met with 300-plus people on the other end with cattle prods, tear gas, and billy clubs, and rifles. And we know the story. It was Bloody Sunday. And they marched, not because they knew they were going to win, they knew they were going to change everything on the grassroots level. Why did they march? Simply because they were convinced that this was the right thing to do, that if we don't act, who will? And they marched. And the amazing thing, of course, is that, that bloody Sunday pricked, once again, the conscience of the nation and the Congress, and they did this. An amazingly strong voting rights act. And here's the lesson that we had better learn, says Dr. King, in 2020, that after that strong law was passed, the African-American people in Alabama and Lowndes County and Wilcox County, where there had not been a single black voter, went out and registered, and they voted, and they ran for office, even the office of sheriff of Lowndes County, of all things. And what happened? White folks running for office discovered, hey, we need the black vote in order to get elected. And surprise, surprise, 
the whole structure of Jim Crow collapsed within two or three years. So that now you and I can go together and stay in a hotel, a motel, we can go to a restaurant. It really did change on the grassroots level. Not only can we use those accommodations together, but you will find in Selma and in Montgomery and in Birmingham, black and white waiting staffs, black and white managers. It is amazing the changes that took place. And that is the lesson for us to learn in 2020, <coughs> Dr. King says. The vote counts, and it does make a difference. And we have got, we have got this year to make it clear to our every citizen that you can vote, and that vote counts. As I close, I am reminded that as I look out, I, I see a lot of people who, with whom I have walked and am walking on this justice movement that's still going. And you know the, that underlying question that comes up even in the strongest leaders of the movement is that question, will we ever really get there to that, especially to that beloved community vision that Dr. King had. And at the end of the Selma to Montgomery March, Joyce and I were privileged to be there among the 15,000 who were there on the last day. We were there on Dexter Avenue and happened to be right in front of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church that Dr. King, of course, had started his ministry some 10 years before. And here was the stage with Dr. King and the staff in front of us. And about 60, 70 yards up the hill was the state capital of Alabama, flying the Confederate flag. And the governor, George Wallace, in his office, who had said segregation yesterday, segregation today, segregation forever. And as we heard Dr. King in this speech, and some believe that this speech was the greatest of all of his speeches, he commended the people who had put their lives on the line, their jobs on the line, to march for a strong Voting Rights Act, not knowing whether it would ever happen. And he got to the end of the speech, and he raised up a question, which is a question that pops up and merges in our own minds and hearts. And I think Dr. King was talking to himself as much as he was to the crowd when he asked the question, how long Will it be before we reach the goals that we have as a community and a justice movement? Not long, he said, because no lie can live forever. How long? Not long, because truth 
crush the earth, will rise again. How long? Not long. Because every person will ultimately reap what they have sowed. How long? Not long. Because the moral arc of the universe is long, but it blends toward justice. How long? Not long. Because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, and his truth is still marching on glory. Hallelujah. And that is the reminder to us that none of us can stop. None of us can back up. None of us can give up. We must keep up the struggle because it's not long and the truth is marching and above all in 2020 be sure that you know that your vote counts 